Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. This is episode 5. My name is Richard Davis, and this Abe Books podcast series is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today we're hitting the road and going back in time in the company of Mark Twain. Twain is most often associated with a 2,320-mile river, the Great Mississippi, which features in Tom Sawyer and especially in the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. But the author travelled far and wide and did so long before airlines turned travelling between continents into a matter of hours. Twain was a globetrotter at a time when globetrotting took months. He visited five continents, sailed across the Atlantic 29 times, think of the boat lag, and also crossed the Pacific and Indian Oceans in a single journey around the world. His travels were not just for pleasure, he sold out lecture halls in multiple countries, which was just as well because Twain often needed the money. His experiences on the road and the ocean also inspired some memorable literature. Let's go through Twain's life place by place. It all starts in Hannibal, Missouri. His family moved to Hannibal when he was four. It's a port town on the Mississippi and it inspired The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, which was published in 1876. At that time, he was looking back on his childhood with nostalgia, and the river was still important to him. Next up, New York, always a magnet for young people. Twain left Missouri at 17 to become a journeyman typesetter in various East Coast cities, including New York City. In 1857, he returned to the Mississippi, and began a two-year apprenticeship to become a river pilot. This is where he became familiar with the phrase Mark Twain. Mark Twain means the second mark on the line measuring the river's depth, and it signified two fathoms or twelve feet. It was to become his pen name. His real name was, of course, Samuel Clemens. Did those trips back and forth to New Orleans, stopping at numerous towns along the way, inspire the adventures of Huckleberry Finn? Perhaps. His next stop was Virginia City, Nevada. In 1862 he arrived as a miner, but struck gold by becoming a journalist on the local paper. His experiences in this part of the West inspired the book Roughing It, published in 1872. He first used Mark Twain as a pen name while writing in Nevada. Roughing It is semi-autobiographical and includes Twain's first foray into travel writing. Twain is legendary for his fiction, but he should also be remembered as instrumental in developing the travel writing genre. In Roughing It, he writes about prospecting, Salt Lake City, and sprinkles in plenty of humour. In 1864, he reached the Pacific and San Francisco. In Northern California, he visited Calaveras County. His short story, Jim Smiley and His Jumping Frog, later called The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, appeared in the New York Saturday Press and helped establish his writing credentials. Incidentally, you can still stay at the Mark Twain Hotel in San Francisco's Tenderloin District. In 1866, Twain sailed to the Sandwich Islands, which are now called Hawaii, as a reporter for a San Francisco newspaper. He lectured about his trip on his return and realised public speaking can be a money spinner. 
It usually cost one dollar to hear Twain speak. His lecture on Hawaii, then an undeveloped American colony, covered local customs, food, and what he saw on horseback while going round the islands. It was a bit like Bill Bryson, but in the Victorian era. Next up was the Mediterranean and the Middle East. A newspaper funded this trip in 1867. Twain travelled on a chartered ship, the Quaker City, and his experiences in France, Italy and Palestine were later compiled into the book The Innocents Abroad. Published in 1869, The Innocents Abroad is a proper travel book and has inspired countless similar journeys. Twain did not like France or the French. I'm quite sure that, bar one, I have no race prejudices, he later said. He filled his notebook with comments about French morality, politics and culture. Back in the States, Twain moved his family to Hartford in Connecticut, where Harriet Beecher Stowe was a neighbour. Twain was always meeting famous people. He met Russia's Tsar Alexander II. He dined with Germany's Kaiser Wilhelm II. He also chewed the fat with Rudyard Kipling, and Thomas Edison filmed Twain at his home. He first visited the British Isles in 1872 and returned several times. His final visit came in 1907 when Oxford University gave him an honorary degree. When I stand under the English flag, I am not a stranger, he wrote. He was particularly fond of the British Library, which remains an amazing place to visit today. Twain returned to Europe in 1878 and toured round for 16 months, visiting Germany, Switzerland, Italy, France, Belgium, Holland and Britain again. He spent the summer in Germany's Heidelberg, which he loved. Perhaps it was because it's a river town with the Neckar passing alongside. Some people say the idea for the raft journey in Huckleberry Finn originated while Twain was in Heidelberg, struggling with writer's block. A Tramp Abroad includes two chapters on this river. Twain was fascinated with Heidelberg University's fencing fraternity, whose members were identifiable by their caps and their facial scars. He wrote of heads and faces of youths gashed in every direction. Throughout A Tramp Abroad, Twain ignores the turmoil going on around him. Germany had only unified in 1871, and there were two assassination attempts on the German Emperor during Twain's visit. He describes the Germans with clichés, orderly, clean, punctual, brave. In his letters he praises the country's superb government at a time of political upheaval. He was happy to be ignorant of current affairs. I don't read any newspapers, he wrote to a friend. Ah, I have such a deep, grateful, unutterable sense of being out of it all. A Tramp Abroad includes his famous essay, The Awful German Language. The inventor of the German language seems to have taken pleasure in complicating it in every way he could think of, he wrote. In 1895, at the age of 59, Clemens began a worldwide lecture tour to pay off his debts. He headed west across the US and Canada before sailing from Victoria, British Columbia to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, India, Ceylon, now called Sri Lanka, Mauritius and South Africa and then heading to Britain. His three months in India became the focus of his book Following the Equator. Two years later he was back in Europe speaking at Vienna's Concordia Press Club where he delivered his famous speech 
and I'll try and pronounce it correctly. Der Schrecken der Deutschen Sprachen. God. Which translates as the horrors of the German language. He kept on travelling even in his old age. Twain considered Bermuda to be his second home and visited many times, including in the final months before his death. He loved its tranquillity and lobbied against the use of cars by its inhabitants. And then there's Elmira, New York. This is where it really ends. Twain was buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in Elmira. It's also the town where he got married. Much of Twain's family, including his mother, wife, son and daughter, are also buried in this cemetery. The grave is dominated by a memorial obelisk bearing Twain's likeness. You can't miss it. Thanks for listening to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis from Abe Books. The next episode will be about the boy who lived, and I think you know who I mean. If you have suggestions for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Email me at podcast at abebooks.com. See you next time.